Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me, not too far, Genesis 28. That's, uh, you can get your Bible however you do that, whether it's through an electronic device or in book form. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like to read along, um, you can grab the, one of the pew Bibles. It should be on page 19, uh, so it's not too far in. But we are in the midst of a little journey with Jacob's story. And we began last week, and we continue this week. I love the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Uh, This beautiful story of this little dysfunctional family that God just chooses to use to bless and to restore all the earth. And uh, so we can find ourselves in this story. Unless you have a perfect family. I don't know, do you? If you do, just go to sleep. You'll hear nothing. Uh, but if you're like me, there's something to learn here. So if you are uh, able to, would you stand and let us read from the Scriptures today? And Ian, I'll have you do the Scripture time and then I'll take it from there. Hear the Word of the Lord. From Genesis 28. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it, although last week we looked that a better Hebrew translation is there beside him, stood Yahweh, the Lord. And he said, I am Yahweh, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. All peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely Yahweh is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, which means house of God, though the city used to be called Lutz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then Yahweh will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Let us give thanks to God for the reading of Holy Scripture today. Father, we thank you. We pray that we would hear good news today from this ancient story. We receive this in your name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. So last week, uh, we looked at the story of Jacob, and we began to see that uh, there were some things about Jacob. In fact, Jacob's name means heel grabber. 
Um, it kind of comes out from his birth story, but he's a, he was a striver and, and a heel grabber in Jewish kind of Yiddish isms are, uh, means is something like a deceiver. We talked about pre-owned car salesmen, used car salesmen. Uh, you know, one of those, one of those things that just you're never quite sure if you're getting the right thing. And we saw that he lived up to his name. We saw, or down to his name, uh, we saw that in several instances he was more than willing to see someone else's disadvantage as his advantage. So when his brother was starving, he, he took his birthright for a bowl of soup. When his father had gone blind and, and, uh, and, and could not distinguish between the two sons that he had, Jacob came in pretending to be his older brother so that he would receive the inheritance, the blessing. And And so we see that he lived up to his name. He was willing to deceive at any cost to get what he thought was his. Now we see in this story of Jacob's uh, vision of this ladder, stairway reaching to heaven and back down, that last week we looked at God's actions in the midst of this. We saw that God stood beside Jacob. So God is not the God who is way far away, just observing things. God is the God who is right here and present. We see that God includes Jacob. That same blessing that He gave, He gave to to Abraham, then He gave it to Isaac, and now He's including Jacob. And every time you read it after this, you will see that when God declares Himself, He is now the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And so... Jacob gets included in this. And then God blesses Jacob with the same blessing that he had given to his father and grandfather. And then Jacob has some responses to that. Jacob wakes up, not just from sleep, but he literally wakes up in all things as he realizes that God is the God who is present everywhere. And when he was living down to his name as a deceiver, God was present there. When he took the took the birthright. God was there when He fooled and tricked His dad. God was present there. We see in just what we read that He was afraid. Oh my goodness. What does this mean? And then He remembers that He's been blessed. He's, he, he didn't do anything to, to change yet, but already God is including Him. God was present and God was blessing Him. And so, He turns over a new rock. He says something is going to be different here. And this is where the beginning of Jacob's transformation story starts. And so we're going to look and see what happens. And we're going to look over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at what it takes to become fully transformed by this God. Today, we look at those very beginning steps. So if last week you were one who kind of had one of those awakening moments, Today we see what maybe your first couple of steps might look like. It's an interesting thing. We begin to see these first signs of transformation. And what are they for Jacob? First of all, he declares that God will be his God. That Yahweh will be his God. And that Jacob will then start giving 10% of what God blesses with him, blesses him with. Now, it's interesting. You, you see, there's, you know, Jacob's just taking those first little tippy toe steps. You know, you can almost like like a baby. If you've been around babies when they're just learning to walk, they're not really stable, right? It's not confident. Like, 
you will be my God and I will give you 10%. It's more like, um, if you'll do all these things for me and provide for me and, and help me and bring me food and all that, then you'll be my God and, and I'll give you 10%. These are baby steps that he's taking. So I want you to know today if you feel like, oh, I should be, you know, confident and raring to go, it's okay. It's okay to take those baby steps. And Jacob does, but it's interesting that he says Yahweh will be his God and he will begin to give 10%. The thing that's important about this is that the two are intertwined. They are connected. We can't separate them. If you have just the first one, God will be my God, and God's going to bless me and do all these kinds of things, then you've turned God into the genie in the bottle. You know, I'm, I'll just say you're my God, and you know, when I need something, I'll make my three wishes, and, and you'll, you'll do that. If we turn it in and it's just about giving 10%, then again, it's just, it becomes this duty, it becomes this chore, this thing that I'm supposed to do. But God is not interested in being a genie, and God is not interested in being a taskmaster. God is interested in relationship. And so the two have to go hand in hand. They're intertwined. And for, the, for us to understand this, we need to look at, at what it means to be a second-born child in the Bible times. Nowadays, uh, we're very, um, somewhat, I mean, we still have some strides to go, but we're pretty egalitarian. We're pretty, uh, we're pretty across the board. If, if you have done well and you have a retirement, when you're sitting down to write your will, you usually try and be fairly equitable to everybody, right? You know, you, you know, I, I think, you know, Sally should get this and Joe should get that. And, you know, you try and divvy those things up. This was not the case. In Jacob's day and age, pretty much, if you were the second born, it meant that your brother got everything and you got to serve your brother. How many of you are second or third or fourth kids? How many of you like to serve your older brothers or sisters? That's what I thought. Now, I am an oldest, so, you know, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for this law. But... Uh, but you see where this is. And, and to make matters worse, Jacob was a twin. So it was just like maybe seconds or minutes that, it, that all of this shifted. You know, it's like he could have been the first. In fact, that's probably maybe that's why he was grabbing onto his brother's heel. Like, get back in here. I'm going to be the first. I'm going to get everything. And so Jacob begins to see that he has this lack. There is something that he needs, and he's not going to be able to get it unless he takes matters into his own hands. And I have found as a counselor and as a pastor that oftentimes great grabs for power or riches often come from a profound sense of lacking or insecurity. We see this, I mean, this is not rocket science. I mean, you see this time and time and time again. Not always, but a lot of times when I see that constant drive for power grabs and for, uh, for riches and those kinds of things, it often comes from a profound, if you were to get into the story of the person, a sense of perceived lack or a deep insecurity that they have. 
I was chatting about this with my wife, and uh, she started talking. That this is actually a social theory. So if you want to know more about uh, this dynamic that, that I've just kind of intuited or seen in my everyday life, um, she, Dr. Lori McVeigh, could t- talk with you about, uh, what is it, strain theory? Strain theory, yes. So if you want to know about that, go talk to her after the service. But now, just stay here. We see this with, we see this in Jacob's life. So he sees that he's not going to get anything by, by a matter of seconds. Everything was taken from him. And so he has a lack. He's going to end up low man on the totem pole. He's going to end up as basically a servant of his brother. Unless I can do something about it. And so we see that he begins to, we, we've already gone through this part of the story. He begins to connive. He begins to live down to his name. He begins to grab heels. He begins to accumulate things for himself. Well, after his vision, he begins this journey of transformation. And the first step on anyone's journey of this transformation is realizing that there is a choice that has to be made. And when he awakens to the fact that God is all around him, in his good days and his bad days. When, when he's living down to his name or living better. And he has this aha moment. He begins to realize that God is the God who gives. And this is the God that I am going to choose. This may not sound so profound, but when I look around in our world, in our day, in our age, a few weeks ago we talked about masks. And that mask of I am what I have is still running rampant. And there is still, my brothers and sisters, a choice to be made. Are we willing to say that we believe and we are choosing in the God who gives? The God who is able to provide your every need. Jacob says, yes, I'm going to choose that. Now, we already talked about he's taking his baby steps. He he puts down a lot of demands for himself. You know, if you'll give me food, if you'll give me shelter, if you'll bring me back home, then you'll be my God. But he still makes the choice. And God still takes on the choice that he makes. But he chooses that Yahweh will be his God. And he understands that Yahweh is the God who gives. Second, Jacob's transformation shows us that tithing is primarily about who you trust and not about money. I know some of you are like, oh, he's going to talk about money today. I should have slept in. But God, the Bible and and God and Jesus, they talk a lot about money. Not because money is terrible, but because it often corrupts the way that you and I think or the ways that you and I operate in the world. It can kind of get its tentacles in and begin. That's why the Bible would say that money is, or the love of money is the root of all evil. Because there's a sense that there must not be a God who gives, so I have to give all myself. That you look at your own lack and your own insecurity, and you think, I've got to take the reins here if anything is going to happen. So Jacob's twofold transformation says that we have an option to choose a God who gives. And yes, we're going to talk about giving, 
But I want you to understand this at the core of, of everything that I say about this is the fact that tithing is primarily about who you trust, not about money. It says who you trust in. Are you trusting in yourself? If so, a tendency that I've seen is those folks don't tend to give. But those who understand the God who gives and the God who blesses are those who really, and put their trust in that God, seem to be able over time to begin to give. To begin to see that I'm going to place my trust in God and this is the one way that I can do it. So let's look at a tithe. What is a tithe? Uh, what is a tithe? A tithe, uh, you can write this down if you want. The tithe, or tithing, is the discipline of ongoing gifting to God of 10% of what God enables you to earn. Now, I, I wrote that very specifically. One is that it's a discipline. Now, discipline, nowadays, we think of, I'm going to discipline you. You know, some of you are old enough to remember Dad, you know, with a ping pong paddle or something. You know, we think discipline. That boy just needs some discipline. And, uh, you know, a swat on the hindquarters will help. But that's not what I mean by discipline. Discipline is an act that you do over and over and over again in non-stressful times so that when the stress is on, it flows out of you more naturally. How many of you have participated in sports of any kind? Okay, a lot of you. So think about this. Some of you might play basketball. Why does an NBA basketball player stand at the free throw line and shoot a hundred baskets a day with no one around and no one in the stands? That's discipline. Why are they doing that? They're doing it in non-stressful situations so that when the teams are there and when the crowd's behind and they're waving their signs and their pinwheels and their John 3.16s behind the backboard, it just flows out of them more naturally. Tithing is the same thing. It's something that we discipline ourselves to participate in. Remember, it's not about money. It's about trusting. I'm, I'm going to take this and I'm going to trust in the God who gives and I'm going to give this in these non-stressful times. For when the time comes that I'm under stress, I have this will flow out of me a little more naturally. It may not be easy. I'm sure it's, it's still stressful when the person's at the free throw line and the game is on the line. But it flows out of them a little more freely. And this is the same with a tithe. It is an ongoing gifting to God of 10%. We saw that right there in our Scripture. This is the first time that tithing is mentioned in the Bible. And we see right there at the very end, this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So a tithe simply means a tenth. Ten percent. It is a discipline of ongoing giving of ten percent. And then, just like Jacob understands and tells us, that it is what God enables us. Of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So tithing helps us also to remember that the ability to earn... The ability to earn is a gift to us from God. 
We talked already in our worship time about that breath that is given. And we reply in our worship. This is God has given us a gift of being able to earn whatever it is that you do for a living. It's all gift. And you are giving back just a little bit to say thank you and to renew your trust in the God who gives and continues to give to you every day of your life. It is also a sign, and we've kind of covered this as as well, a sign of your trust in the God who gives. That when you are giving the tithe, it is something that you are saying by your actions. I am trusting in the God who gives. And therefore, I will give this. So what a tithe is not. I want to be very clear about these things. A tithe is not a payment to the church or the pastor. Now, I I want to really emphasize the pastor. Okay, I, I, I have a salary. There's a church board that's set up. They, they determined that when I began. I go through the same kind of things like, like you all do. I, I have cost of living increases here and there. And every so often we have a review. It's coming up here in a few weeks. I'll sit down with my boss, the DS, and, and the church board, and we'll review how things are going. You know, so it's, I want to be clear. It's not that if somebody gives 50 grand, Pastor Jeff's going out to buy a new car. Okay? Lori will. <laughs> no. Thanks for killing my point. <laughs> Where's Andrew? But I'm bumps. No, it is it is set. A tithe is not a payment to the church. The church is to be seen as a steward of the gift. We are the ones who look at what God has called us to do as a church, and you are giving to God. And the church is simply the one who receives that gift, asks God, what are we to use this for? And then stewards to pay that on to wherever that needs to go, whether it's to missions or whether it's to the food bank or whether it is for some of our needs here uh, so that you can have heat or light or those kinds of things while we worship together. But it is not a payment. It is also not an offering. That's something different. Uh, an offering is something extra that's given for a sensed or known need. Some of you are giving to the building fund. That's an offering. That's something that's extra. We're trying to pay down our mortgage and do those things. And you can get really creative with these offerings. In fact, someone was talking to me after prayer meeting this week. Like, what if we all decided... He said, I just realized that I waste a lot of money. And what would it be like if on a day that I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A today. Well, yeah, that's true. It is closed on Sundays. So tomorrow, just imagine... What a dirty, rotten trick they play. Oh, that Chick-fil-A. But say you were going to go, and you know, you know, whenever I go, I spend $16, because it's really good. But what if you decided, he said, what if I decided to just say, you know, I'm going to take that $16, and I'm going to go home and have a sandwich, and then I'm going to get online, and I'm going to go to the building fund, or I'm going to go to that part of our 10-4 vision, I'm going to put that on. What if a bunch of us decided to do that? And what if we decided one day a week that when we would normally eat out, we didn't, and we were going to put it towards this? A little, a lot of people giving a little would help us bring that down pretty quickly. 
So that's a good idea. That's an offering. A tithe is again interwoven with the God I trust is a God who gives. And I'm going to discipline myself to give 10%. And then offerings will be anything on top of that. Is that clear? Does that make sense? The difference between tithing and what an offering is. So here are our questions for today as we get ready to close. One, where do you see your lack or your insecurity? I'm not going to ask anybody to raise hands. I'm not going to ask, but there is time in church. This should be a safe place where we can look and invite God to look within us to say, where do I feel like I am lacking something? For some of you, maybe it is in the material things. I know we've talked about those kinds of things today. Maybe for some of you it is, uh, you know, I, I just feel like I don't make enough to really tithe or give. Um, you know, and I feel really insecure whenever we talk about this. I, I understand that. I, I've been there. It's okay. Let, just sit with that for just a moment. Maybe for some of you it's in, it's in something entirely different. Maybe it's in looks or maybe it's in abilities and maybe it's the, the profession you've chosen. Maybe, uh, maybe for you it's, it's in that way. Maybe for some of you, you just think you've heard message after message after message after message that you're not good enough, that you don't measure up. Is that lack or insecurity driving some of your behavior pattern? Maybe in giving, maybe, maybe in just the way you operate with others, uh, maybe the way you are in relationship to others, it, it tends to just skew things one way or the other. You're trying to find your advantage in the midst of that because you, you kind of have something. Can I say to us today that God is still the God who is beside you even on your worst day? That may be at first a scary thing to think about. When, te- when teens, you've, you've not done your best on your schoolwork. Or you, or you sassed your parents, kids, and, and you just weren't at your best, or those kinds of things. Or you and your spouse just locked horns that day. God is there in the midst of all those things. Maybe that scares you a bit. But you want to really quickly remember that God is still the God who is beside you and longing to include you and longing to bless you. And you today can choose for that God to be your God. Maybe it's baby steps, but you can do that. Where is your lack or insecurity? Can it help you to lean more into the God who gives to choose that God even if you want to set up a few parameters to begin with? Second, am I willing to trust God? Am I willing to say, God, in the midst of what I think is lack, in the midst of what are my insecurities, I am choosing today to trust that You are beside me, longing to include me, and longing to bless me. I want to just... I want to do that today. What does that look like for you? And lastly, maybe it's time to ask, what can I give? Now, you know, a tithe is 10%. All right, I've already declared that. I've seen that. It's what the word means. But I have been in places where when I was taking my baby steps 
to start with two was where I could go. And God blessed. And the goal was then to go to four, and then five, and then eventually to make my way to ten. And every time I took those baby steps, I'm, I'm, this is just me. I'm not saying that times were never tight. But I'm just saying that every time I found that the God I chose, that the God who I believe is generous in giving, that God never failed. And now my family has been in a discipline of giving the 10% for decades now, I think. And we begin to see what God can do. And we can add those offerings as well to include and bless and help, whether it's sending a missionary out or helping with a building fund or doing those types of things. And so I want to ask you today, where can you give? Where can you begin? It is a good life. And as we will see, Jacob is led step by step to trust until he is asked to do the very hardest thing. And he does it. We'll see that in a couple of weeks. But today, is it your day to see these things intertwine? To begin to choose the God who is generous and to say, I am choosing you and I'm going to show you that I have chosen you in my gift. In my gift of what you would ask me to give. Maybe for some of you, you're going to jump in deep water. You're going to start 10%. I'm going to, I'm going to try. See what happens. For some of you, it may be baby steps. One, two, three, with the intent to just as God gives, just like Jacob said, as you bless, I will give. As you bless, I will give. I want to, I want to just operate in this, this principle of seeing that you are the God who is generous. I choose you and I'm going to enter into the discipline of tithing. Whatever you choose, I hope you know that God is the God who stands beside you. God is the God who longs to include you. And God is the God who will bless. That's good news. Good news of giving. I hope you will see the blessings through the giving. Would you stand? And let's pray today. Father, we are so grateful for all the many gifts that you have given to us. The ways that you have blessed and helped. The ways even sometimes we have been unaware of your presence. And still you were there beside us, just like Jacob. Longing to include and giving out blessing. I pray that you would help us as a church body together to choose this day that you will be our God. Understanding your generosity and that we would enter into the joy of tithing and giving offerings. This is hard for us. And you know this. But you also know something. That oftentimes, the deepest transformation comes when we give. 
when we say no to our perceived lack and our insecurities, and we receive our security in You, the God who blesses. So come and challenge us. Help us, we pray, to be generous like You. To be disciplined. To give because You have given to us. And may we see this intertwined commitment lead us deeper and deeper into transformation, deeper and deeper into what it means to be fully human and fully alive and awake. And I pray that this blessing would be upon us all. For I ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Just a minute, I'm going to give you the final blessing. Uh, no, no second offering today. I know you're waiting on it. If you wrote a check, that's okay. Just find an usher and give it to him. Or drop it in the church office. For some of you, you could give online. That's okay. I am more concerned that out of that lack and insecurity that you feel, that you realize there is a God who loves you. If you can understand and receive that, if you can be blessed by that, the giving will work itself out. You have all that you need, and it is God who gives it. So receive that. Let God wrestle with you on that this week. And just see. See where God calls you to give. Would you receive this blessing? And now, may your sense of lack and your sense of insecurity have the light of the God who is present right beside you shine right in. May that God include you. May that God give you an understanding of how deep that God longs to bless you. That He has everything you need and He is generous. And I pray that you will receive the joy of tithing and giving because you know the God you serve, the God you have chosen, the God who has chosen you is one who is generous. And I pray you will go right now and be a blessing to others in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever and ever. Amen. Go in God's peace. You are sent in His name to love and be merciful to all around you. Go in peace.